Welcome to Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a radio ministry of the Institute for Creation Research. In this program, we want to encourage you in your Christian faith by showing how scientific evidence supports the Bible, particularly the Genesis account. The book of Genesis lays the foundation for all matters addressed in the rest of the Bible. The nature of God, His sovereignty in creation, man's purpose, sin, marriage, family, and why we need a Savior are all introduced and explained in Genesis. When we see that the first and most foundational book of the Bible can be trusted in all matters, including science, it builds confidence in the rest of the inspired Word all the way to Revelation. On today's show, Dr. Henry Morris III, CEO of the Institute for Creation Research, will conclude our 10-part series on the six days of creation. Here's Dr. Morris. Now, the Creation Week, or at least I should say the Creation Work Week, is drawing to a close. And God said, See, I've given you every green herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth, every tree whose fruit yields seed, To you it shall be for food. Also, to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the air and to everything that creeps on the earth in which there is life, I have given every green herb for food. And it was so. God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. At the end of God's creative activities, he surveyed his work and pronounced it very good. Coming from the holy and omniscient creator, this can only mean that everything he had created demonstrated flawless perfection. But the world of corruption and death in which we now live surely cannot be described that way. What led to this drastic change? Genesis 2 describes how God prepared a special garden in which the man and woman would begin their stewardship duties. There he gave them a specific command. They could eat of every tree in the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for on the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. Genesis 3 relates the well-known story of the serpent's deception of Eve, her taking of the fruit and giving it to her husband, and Adam's willful decision to disobey God. Because of their choices, the world and its inhabitants were cursed. An animal was killed to provide a covering for Adam and Eve's nakedness, and they were barred from the garden, lest he put out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever in a perpetual state of sin and decay. Sin and death now dominates creation. Man has become separated from the life of God and is born with a nature that will inevitably rebel against the Creator. Such a setting would be utter futility if it were not for the prescient foreknowledge of the Creator displayed in the effort to redeem Adam and Eve from their doom. In the ultimate actions of our Creator for Adam and Eve, you and I are encouraged to trust His later provision of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Over 4,000 years after sin's entry into the world, the Redeemer would come with the price necessary to buy all humanity back from death. Genesis 3 illustrates what God would do in the future just as well as what he did for humanity's need. Now, that's the Bible story, but how is this transition taken about? What happened? Day 6 ends in very good. The next thing we see is 
this serpent deceiving Eve and Adam making an awful choice and things going horribly awry, what happened in the process? It is interesting to note that as God summarizes what he accomplished, he said, now I'm going to take a rest. By the way, the word Sabbath in the Hebrew language does not mean Saturday. It does not mean seven. It just means rest. God said, I have worked really hard now for six days, and I'm going to take a break. Years later, centuries later, when he was giving the Ten Commandments to Moses, he said, I want you to remember this now. In the first place, I don't want you to try to make a physical image of me because I'm a spirit. You can't reproduce me in any way. Don't use my name loosely or closely in any human sort of way. Be careful what you do with the knowledge of me. And on this very special day, this uh, rest day, I want you to remember that I designed this into the creation. Millennia later, when Jesus was here, he told the old uh, <laughs> workaday religious Pharisees that he didn't design them for the Sabbath. He designed the Sabbath for them. He designed the rest day in the way we were made. Now, Adam and Eve had a rest day. Probably had two or three of them. Probably had several of them a long time enjoying each other. But one thing we know for sure, Adam was not yet able to impregnate Eve before they were kicked out of the garden. Well, it couldn't have been a long time. Couldn't have been years. Couldn't have been centuries. Couldn't have been millennia. Probably just weeks or months. Sometime in those early fellowship days, and the Bible says that Adam and Eve were in fellowship with God during that time, the great arch enemy of all humanity, all of the angelic creatures, the leader of the rebellion in heaven, came down and tried to raise a human army through deception in Adam and Eve. As he talked to Eve, he made her doubt what God had said. He made her think that God really wasn't telling her the truth. As a matter of fact, he made her think that God was actually deceiving her in a way that would keep her bound up in servitude. And because she bought into that, Adam listening close by, apparently he was right there with her listening what was going on, followed in total rebellion. And because of that, the world that God made ended in a total separation from the omnipotent, omniscient, life-giver creator. Now it's time for a short break. We'll hear more from Dr. Morris in a moment. The design of the human body inspires awe and fascination, and for good reason. It's made up of so many different parts and systems, all working together for a greater purpose. Check out our book, Guide to the Human Body, to discover astonishing facts about the construction of the cell, the mechanics of hands and feet, and the incredible abilities of the brain. Published by the Institute for Creation Research, Guide to the Human Body will answer questions you didn't even know you had. How do our eyes give us sight? How does a baby take its first breath? What happens to the human body in outer space? Guide to the Human Body's full-color images and easy-to-read format shows our amazing design points to the ultimate designer, 
God? Or did your copy from the Institute for Creation Research by calling 800-628-7640 or visiting icr.org? That's 800-628-7640 or visiting icr.org. Welcome back to Science, Scripture, and Salvation. Here's Dr. Morris. If God, the one who could speak the universe into existence with a command, is indeed the creator, then he is the owner of all that exists. Man is, therefore, a steward and is ultimately accountable to the owner for all that is done with life and resources. On the other hand, if matter has always existed and random forces have been inexorably evolving upward, then humans are simply the best organisms that have been produced so far, and man, by default, becomes the owner of all that he can rule. There's no logical middle ground. The physical universe and all the information that humanity can uncover will be interpreted in the light of the belief system or worldview that each individual holds. To the naturalist, life, this life, is all that there is. There's no future, no afterlife. When you're dead, you're dead. Now, this ownership thing's pretty important. Before I took over the responsibilities at ICR, I held a position as a chief financial officer for a business organization. And in that responsibility, I had freedom to understand and to account for all of the uh, money that our organization used and frequently wrote some rather large checks. Actually, it's kind of an exciting thing to put your signature on a check of a million dollars or more. That's not something many people get a chance to do. But here's the key. I was the chief financial officer. I didn't own that money. It wasn't my money. I was doing it in representation of the owner of the company. In many cases in our world, the company is owned by stockholders. In this particular case, this company was owned by an individual, and I was representing him, making my choices and using my training and my background to give him the benefit of my work. Just so God the Creator has delegated authority to you and me, delegated, that's the key word, given responsibility for us to be his stewards. If your belief system twists that around and makes you act like an owner, you're really in trouble. There is, however, glorious wonder and life-changing power in the gospel that is presented in the Bible. Hopeless beliefs drive many lives into debauchery and hedonism or fill the couches of psychologists and psychiatrists all over the world. There's no good news in the evolutionary theory. But the message of God's great redemption and restoration and liberty is a marvelous thing. Our existence, our spiritual, eternal life, given now, ultimately to be fulfilled in a totally flawless new heavens and a new earth, in which those of us who are the saved, the twice-born, will become both immortal and holy. But how can one believe such intangible promises unless there's some demonstration of the power necessary to defeat death 
and to create new life. Such supernatural power was amply demonstrated in the six days of creation recorded in Genesis. The creator God of the Bible is our source for life and our only means of redemption. Without him, we are and have nothing. The good news of salvation is inexorably rooted in what God did in the beginning during those six days of creation. And when he rested, he said, look, I've got an eternal rest for all of you. That eternal rest, you will be with me forever in a new heavens and a new earth. What a wonderful, glorious promise. Thank you for joining us on Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a radio ministry of the Institute for Creation Research. That's all the time we have for our program today, but we would love to connect with you through our website at icr.org. For over 45 years, ICR has equipped believers with evidence of the Bible's accuracy and authority by showing how science supports the Genesis creation account. Our scientists research the evidence for creation and communicate their findings through books, articles, DVD series, and conferences. Please visit our website at icr.org for more information about the latest scientific discoveries, to subscribe to our free magazine and devotional, and to locate our next creation conference at a venue near you. All of this and more at icr.org. If you've enjoyed this podcast, subscribe to Science, Scripture, and Salvation on iTunes. Also, do us a favor and rate and review the show so that more listeners can find us. Thanks for listening, and God bless.